0: Whoa, well, look at all the people out there. Yeah, it's been a while since we've all been together, since like Christmas, I think. So you can introduce me. Oh, yeah, sorry. This is Tuttle. Uh, he's helped myself and Greg with several of the shows we've done before, and it seemed like he might be helpful for me today. Uh, so uh, nice to meet you all. So I'm going to be talking with Tuttle up here um, at the podium, and this is for everybody, kids, adults, everybody. But kids, if you would like to meet Tuttle, talk with him, ask him questions after the service, please feel free. He'll be around, and he'll be happy to answer any questions you might have. Speaking of questions, yeah. Why do I have this voice? What do you mean? Usually, I've sounded like this in the past. But for some reason today, you got me sound like some Muppet from the south side of Pittsburgh. Yeah, it just seemed to make more sense with what I was doing today. Well, what are you doing today? Well, I'm planning to share some important things today, at least some things that are important and meaningful to me. And sometimes it's easier to say those things in different ways. Some people prefer to draw or paint. Some people prefer to express those things in dance or song. And some people use puppets. Wait, so I'm up here for more than just like the children's time? Yeah, yeah. But aren't puppets for kids? Yeah, absolutely they are. But I think puppets are for everybody. Sometimes adults need puppets too. Hmm. Why would you need a puppet for adults in church? Oh, I know. I bet it's because you're going to say something that's hard for you to say. Yeah, yes, for sure. But I also think it's gonna be helpful for others to hear and understand those things as well, having you here. So, before he starts his yakkin, yin's kids out there, what are the things that help you to think and share? Or pretend, or dream? Because I bet you do it a lot better than this guy. Hey, well, it's true, they're kids. Of course they're gonna be better at pretending and dreaming than you. Fair enough. So if I'm going to be up here for a while, what exactly are we doing? Well, I'm going to be sharing some stories about me. It's sometimes called like a testimonial. When you tell about your own experiences to help others think about their experiences and where God has been present in their life. I'm not sure I follow you, but go on. Well, okay, the testimony is in two parts. One this week where I'm going to be talking about and focusing on the wider church, the Mennonite Church and our conference, and then another part in two weeks from now where I'll focus on our conference and our church family, Milwaukee Mennonite. Huh. So this is like the Fantastic Four films. What? You know, <clears throat> you got the one, and then you got the other two years later. The Rise of the Silver Surfer. Um, I guess. This isn't going to be like the Fast and Furious, is it? What? No. You're not going to have, it's not going to be like a nine-part series? Oh, definitely not. And you're not going to have any spin-offs neither, are you? Like we mentioned some other puppet from Cincinnati today, and then you do a different sermon with them? No, no, that's definitely not the plan. So just the two, yes. And will I be part of the second one in two weeks? Um, I haven't thought that far ahead. No, huh, fair enough. I don't know if I want to be a part of it yet anyway. So let me just explain why I'm sharing this in this way now. Go for it. Okay. We have some work to do this spring for the Mennonite Church and our conference. We're going to be having some meetings to discuss items that will be voted on at a denominational meeting in May. But as we as a church also have our own things to think about and talk about. And as we move through this time, I think it's important that we are open and honest about who we are and how each of us has gotten to where we are today so that we can understand each other better. And then that way we can consider and dream together who we want to be and where we want to go. Sorry, you lost me at, um, we have some work to do. Yeah, I thought maybe that would be the case. Maybe you could just get into the story stuff and I'll understand better then. Okay. Well, I grew up in a small town on the western edge of the Appalachian Mountains, about 45 minutes southeast of Pittsburgh. Uh Uh-oh. What? We're going that far back. No, it's not settling, folks. I'll let you know when we get to the horseless carriage. Very funny. No, I grew up attending a Mennonite church in a town that had two Mennonite churches, and a lot of individuals from those churches that had come to Scottsdale because they believed in the work that was going on there at the Mennonite Publishing House. So there was a house there with people publishing Mennonite stuff. Yeah, a huge building. I used to love walking in and smelling the ink from the presses, humming in the basement. They were creating curricula for Sunday school and Bible schools. They provided the magazine that was where a lot of the different ideas were shared and where the broader denominational conversations took place. They published books that were specifically from a Mennonite perspective, It was the headquarters of a Mennonite bookstore chain that stretched from eastern Pennsylvania to Iowa. Oh, wow, sounds like a lot was going on there. Yeah. And as a kid, it was really cool seeing all these people from from church doing different jobs, contributing different gifts for the same cause. And the flip side of that, too, seeing different people serve our church family in different ways. Whether a press worker or editor or janitor or art designer, you might be a church elder or give a sermon on Sunday. That sounds kind of beautiful. It was. Of course, like any community, we had our challenges and problems, but as a child, it was a really good environment to grow up in. I'm beginning to feel like this should be in sepia tone or something, maybe with a lens that makes everything warm and fuzzy. Okay, anyway, that's where I grew up, with very few other Mennonite peers in school or in different spaces I occupied, but they are yet very much a part of my life and the life of my family. Question, yeah, has the radio been invented yet? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I went off to college, and then Rachel and I got married and moved to Pittsburgh for Rachel's medical school. I never thought I'd be back in western Pennsylvania, but there I was. And during that time, I tried some different jobs and activities. How did that acting career go? Eh, well, didn't you play some drunk that gets beaten to death in a bar? Anyway, and eventually, I decided to uh, do an internship at Pittsburgh Mennonite Church. Not cool. Sorry. Did they sing Steelers hymns there? No. Although, I think a few people would have been comfortable doing that. Anyway, I was excited to listen, to to intern with the two pastors there, Carmen and Luke Schrockhurst. Carmen was amazing at listening to people and walking with people through their life experiences, and Luke taught me so much about prayer, both public and private. Unfortunately for me, within several months uh, of that internship starting, they decided to go serve with Mennonite Central Committee in the Philippines, and so what Less than halfway through my year long internship, I lost the people I was supposed to be learning from. Awkward. Yeah. And very quickly, I informally and then formally became the interim pastor. That went on for over three and a half years. Whoa, that's a long time to be an interim. Uh huh. Well, for support, the conference named a pastor from another congregation to meet with me regularly. That person happened to be one of the co-pastors from my home congregation, Donna Mast. Donna walked with me through that time while there was so much going on for herself at the conference and congregational level, but I, I wouldn't fully understand that till later. Oh, but I'm sensing a shift in town here. Yeah, well, first, Pittsburgh Mennonite was a congregation not completely different than ours, a mix of people who grew up in the faith tradition and those who came to it on their own. They were a very supportive group, uh, supporting a young person, learning and growing and leading in that space. The biggest difficulty they created for my future was that several of them came from a more charismatic worship background and would make their appreciation for my sermons very clear with, amen, and mm-hmm, and preach it. And learning to give sermons in that environment has meant that I pretty much feel like I bomb in every, pretty much every message I've ever given since. Well, you weren't wrong. What? You want me to be your preaching choir? Please, no. Here we go, sermon. Here we go. Huh? No. Now, part of my pastor duties were to attend a monthly pastor peer gathering about two hours into the mountains at the conference offices in Somerset. I've shared a bit about this before, but it definitely was not a welcoming, inclusive space. And as time went on, I felt less and less able to speak in that space. One day, I came in and sat down next to the conference booth pastor, and she leaned over and whispered, I'm so thankful another woman is here. Was she blind or something? What? No, no. Did she not see her facial hair? No, she knew I was a man. It was a way of naming that there was someone else in the space that understood and could relate to the problems and concerns of what was going on there. Oh, well, well, that's confusing. Yeah, that, that's happened a couple of times in my life in different, with different people from different backgrounds. And it's, I think it's really important for me to remember and name that that simply was an expressing the feeling of having an ally in that space. And not that I somehow know what a woman or Latinx or black person's experience is. I mean, look at you. Everything you about you just screams white male privilege. Thanks for that, Tuttle. Well, what? I mean, you, you can afford to live in a nice house, and neighborhood, you're financially secure, you don't even work outside the home. That is all true. And hopefully, as I continue to share this week and in two weeks, you'll see how I've come to where I am today. But first, I need to share a bit more about what happened in those Pastor Peer Meet conference meetings, because the next few pieces went a long way in shaping where I am and what I do today. Okay. Shortly before the Iraq war began, I walked from Pittsburgh to Washington DC, carrying the Mennonite peace flag, eating only the UN rations Iraqis were getting at that time and calling for peace. When I got to the Washington area, I worshiped with Hyattsville Mennonite Church, the local church in our conference. And then many from that faith community joined me in walking from Hyattsville to the Lincoln Memorial where we had a brief service and joined for uh, and, and prayed for peace and a peace that would not come. Being a people of peace will break your heart again and again. Yeah. Anyway, I was back at Pastor Pier that following week. I felt so alienated from the group that I, and their lack of support when I'd initially shared what I, about doing this peace walk, that I figured I would only bring it up if they asked. In the day-long gathering, it was only brought up about mid-afternoon by the, in passing by the conference pastor. I said a couple lines about the walk, and I expressed how much I had appreciated Hyattsville's participation and support, and that was it. They just moved on. No, I wish. Far worse. From then on, it became an opportunity to, for several of the men around the table to talk very poorly about Hyattsville and its pastor. They had recently pushed through a vote in conference to discipline the congregation, stripping them of the ability to vote or have representation at the conference level. They said this was due to Hyattsville having been found to be inconsistent with the membership guidelines of the Mennonite Church USA. They were concerned about the congregation's membership practices as they related to individuals involved in same-sex relationships. Now we're in it. It was so hard to be with this vibrant, loving, active community of believers on Sunday morning and then have this mean-spirited, frankly, hateful display among conference leadership just several days later, especially when they started to attack the character and intentions of Hyattsville's pastor, Cynthia Lapp. Did you tell them that? Why not? Because <sighs> I didn't have a voice. You mean you lost your voice? Was it all raspy and stuff? No. No, I just knew I didn't have a voice in that space. It was a very uniquely awful experience for me and it has shaped the, vo- the choices I've made and the person I've been ever since. Huh, because you need to speak up? Yeah, maybe at times, but more importantly, it gave me a window into the troubling and sometimes daily experiences that so many people that aren't white straight males have to endure. And it made me much more attuned to the ways that myself and others either create space for everybody or put up barriers and limit conversations and opinions and what's okay and not okay to talk about, or do, or be. So this, this was your home conference. Yeah. Huh. There was another painful piece from this time that formed Who I Am Today. Really? Because I feel like that was plenty for us to hear about. Yeah, but this is really important for me to name, too. You remember my home community in Scottsdale that I talked about? Oh, yeah. With the publishing house and everybody working together in sepia town and stuff? Yeah. Well, it was right around this time that the new denomination, MCUSA, began to take a hard look at the publishing house they'd inherited from the old Mennonite church. Ooh, I bet I can guess where this is going. Oh, really? Well, how a book is published today compared to a couple decades ago. Right, Exactly. There were fundamental changes that were the whole print industry was going through, and things were going to have to change. Downsizing, adjusting how and what publications for the Mennonite Church had to happen. So some people were fired. It goes way beyond that. This community of people, many of whom had moved their lives to this small town just to be a part of the work for the broader church, slowly and systematically began to be dismantled. And, and not in the kind of of church-like way, but in a purely cold early 2000s business-related downsizing kind of way. So like them guys from that movie office space that come in to fire people, that's exactly what it was. The Mennonite Church hired a firm to come in and fire their employees so that they wouldn't have to. They told people they needed to gather their things and leave and they would not be welcome to come back in the building, which That building was the heartbeat of the Scottsdale Mennonite community in so many ways. Brutal, it was, and there was this continuous trickle that uh, causing many to up and move. uh, A trickle of firings that caused many to up and move away. The two churches had to merge simply because they didn't have the resources or numbers anymore. MCUSA did this to the point where they could say, "Well, they needed to consolidate the media arm of the Mennonite Church and one of the large Mennonite enclaves and moved." A few people still working to Harrisonburg, Virginia. Business is not easy. No, it's not. But it's not the business part that was so damaging. It was the lack of love, compassion, respect, appreciation, you name it, that our denomination showed to those who had worked for decades for the church. The denomination disavowed the cold, calculated nature of what they did, and then years later at a tiny service to name some of these people and admit that things could have gone better, but it was buried as a sideshow at one of the biannual conferences, just the way they wanted it. You sound better. No, no, not better. but deeply disappointed and sad. This is a testimony to our denomination At the same time, I need to say this, and it needs to be heard. Because I know this is truth. The Mennonite church, MCUSA, destroyed my home faith community. What is left in Scottsdale of Mennonites is a testament to the spirit and love and grace of those that stayed and continue to be a part of this denomination despite what happened. Okay, I'm looking at the time and what you just said, and I'm really beginning to worry about what you consider a testimony. I mean, you got the long-winded part down, but if this is supposed to get us excited about the Mennonite church, uh, yeah, I know. I also need to be honest about who I am and why I'm here. Yeah, why are you here? After what you just shared, I fig- figured you'd be done with Mennonites long ago. I thought about it. But just as all this was going down, we moved to a huge Mennonite area, Lancaster, for Rachel's residency. Interesting. Did you have Amish neighbors? No, we lived in the city of Lancaster, which is very much a city with an eastern U.S. city feel. Think the older neighborhoods of like Baltimore or Philly with row houses, old row houses and stoops, lots of bachata and merengue music from passing cars, followed by a sporadic horse and buggy. Weird. So what did you do there? Well, this is where I started to stay at home. Rachel was working insane hours at the hospital, and Dan was one, and experiencing life with Daniel during that time was really healing for me, and also important for my understanding of how each of us learns and grows. I've said many times that life with toddler Daniel was the closest I'll ever come to a monastic experience. I think a lot of parents with young kids would say that they have to be a lot of things. True, but a monk ain't one of them. Fair point. But life was just so regimented and slow. Every crack in the pavement, every sound that we heard was to be considered and studied. Experiencing both our boys' work to understand and make sense of the world around them taught me so much about slowing down, about listening, about how different the world can look from different perspectives. That's lovely. It was, and has nothing to do with church. (laughs) Actually, not true. Being a parent and watching John and Dan grow and learn showed me just how important it is to have different voices around them different people they could trust to help them understand this world we live in. Because it became very clear to me very quickly that that was not something I could ever do on my own, or even just with Rachel, clearly. And it also became clear to me that this is true of all of us, at whatever age we are, at whatever stage of life we're at. And it's true on the individual level, on the congregational level, on the conference level, on the denominational level. We need each other to make sense of everything who we actually are and what is going on and what is ours to do and say so were you a part of a church there yeah it took a little bit but yes we ended up at a attending a Mennonite church on the eastern side of the city within walking distance of our house it's pastor Ron Adams which some of you may remember from Madison Mennonite late, years later uh, was a pastor there and has been a super informative person in my life I was given the opportunity to serve on the church's Pastor Congregation Relations Committee for six years, and the time I served on the committee with a variety of really wise, generous people, also walking alongside the two pastors, Ron and uh, soon Conrad, helped me find a way I could relate and work and be with this church and this denomination. Yeah, you're a Mennonite. Why do you say that? You don't feel like you're doing something unless you're on a committee. Anyway. From those early days 18 years ago, I have grown from more watching and listening and learning to to being more confident in what I can and can't do in relation to church. I feel like I have a better understanding of the ways that I feel I can contribute and feel good about what I have to offer while still being true to who I am and what I know. But to be clear, like Joseph in our story from Genesis today, I have not forgotten Oh, oh! you actually are going to try to work at scripture in it, huh? Because it seems, like Joseph, I have done the work I need to do to get to this place, a place of love and trust and grace, and make no mistake, what the denomination chooses to do in the months ahead might be a big step in the right direction. Certainly the work I see being done in getting us to the upcoming votes is really important. We don't have time to get into the weeds, now we don't, but... Just to say that Joseph's story is not a simplistic one of forgiveness. Don't forget, he was left to die. And then when he didn't, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And these brothers are coming back, sure that he is going to kill them. But the fact that he forgives is only a snapshot. Really important snapshot. But only a snapshot. One part of their experience as offenders and as one processing and experiencing the outcomes of those offenses. Life is messy, and can't just be wrapped up in a nice bow the way we'd like it to be. Yeah, plus you don't got no hair on your head to wrap into a bow. Focus. Sorry. I have little hope that the history of what happened in Scottsdale will be told by the domination. It is too peripheral and ugly, and clearly there are bigger issues to deal with. I do have hope that we can show love and grace to each other at a conference and congregational level. I have witnessed time and time again people of great faith and conviction, Mennonites, standing in difficult spaces and refusing to leave. Maybe they just had their foot stuck. What? If your foot's stuck, it makes it very difficult to leave. Okay, no, these are difficult situations between people or groups of people, and these individuals chose to stay and try to help. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. And to be clear, I don't think anything less, any less of people that chose to leave. There are some experiences and some bridges, that are just too far. There can be good reasons for one's own health and well-being to move on, but I am amazed and humbled By the work and spirit I have seen time and again from so many who I look up to. Uh Uh-oh. What? I have a sense we're getting some examples here. Yes. I have witnessed this in the words and actions of so many strong, resilient, loving women who have continued to hold this denomination accountable. I'd strongly encourage you to go watch the MCUSA webinars from a couple years ago that were part of the Women in Leadership series, particularly the one with Regina-Shan Stolzfus and two women that we had the pleasure of being part of a dinner group with in Lancaster, Elizabeth Soto Albrecht and Linda Gaiman-Peachy. Their work and what they have to say is so important to our denomination. The video with Agneliese Velasco-Sanchez, who calls her, herself a Indo-Latinx mujerista, is also definitely worth a listen. Challenging structures and ways of thinking and being is so important. Yes, thank you, especially if it means shutting your trap and listening to someone else. That's a dig at me in the length of this sermon, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I have witnessed this standing in difficult spaces and refusing to leave by those I have called my friends and have gone halfway around the world and given their lives to help communities in need. Just recently, about 50 people were sentenced to life imprisonment in the Democratic Republic of Congo for the murders of Zaida Catalan and MJ Sharp, who I grew up with in Scottsdale. MJ's father, John Sharp, Whose sermons back in Scottsdale I still remember had this response We still don't know who ordered the hit. We have concerns about those convicted. How will life imprisonment transform the lives of those imprisoned and their families? We wish for shalom justice. Where people on all sides get what they need, not what they deserve. Keep it together. I'm trying. Hi, it's and I and their pastor, Cynthia Lapp, were stripped of their conference representation, and voting rights for 10 years, and yet they stayed. Upon reinstatement in 2015, Cynthia said, we have worked at building relationships for the past 10 years, and we will continue to do that for the next 10 as full members. We remain committed to the praying with and for the conference as we move together into an unknown future. So where are you getting at with these examples? I have more, both personal and from the, from the denomination. From those that have been walking with Mennonites since the early civil rights days to those encouraging us to dismantle the doctrine of discovery. There, sorry, no, what? I'm sorry, but I'm sure you got lots of really good examples, but time, man. It's time to move on. Okay, yeah, but that's why it keeps coming coming back and engaged with the Mennonite church. It gets back to the Luke text from this week, the Sermon on the plane that Amy started last week. Oh, now you're just jumping around every which way. Yeah, but look, what Christ is saying about loving your enemies and turning the other cheek, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? This is the kind of stuff we Mennonites claim to be about. And then we get into the whole do not judge and you will not be judged, forgive, and you will be forgiven stuff. And again, like, What Amy said last week about the Sermon on the plane being, it's descriptive, not prescriptive. It's not transactional. It's not, you do this, you get that. It's doing this because it's what you're called to do and having no expectations of anything coming from it. And it's with this powerful love and lack of expectations that beautiful, powerful things can spring forth. Boiling it down, yeah. Showing love in tough ways, without expectations. Exactly. That's what I've seen. Especially from people of many different backgrounds and experiences. People who have simply not been accepted fully for all that they are. And yet, they continue to show love without expectations. And if they can do it, I can do it. And if they can do it, we can do it. Whatever the next few months holds for the Mennonite Church, I am committed to standing in the difficult spaces and refusing to leave. What does that even mean? I don't know. We'll just have to see. But I have to hope with a denominational pastor who says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the institutions and the people that have genuinely done real harm to you. And I'm sorry you have to carry that weight, but I urge you not to let them have power over you. The peace of Christ is available to you as well. For those who love this church and who are filled with hope, be gracious and kind to those who are still on their journey. Those who have been traumatized and those who are seeking restoration. Let us set the example. Let us be advocates and allies for the marginalized. Let us demonstrate the love of Christ in word and deed to those who don't feel like this church is their home. Let us call them to the foot of the cross because God is enough. It's time for the Mennonite Church USA to be transformed. That was flat, Well the guy that Flat Glenn is based on. I wondered about that. You know, I talked with Flat Glenn over at Greg's place. Oh, really? Yeah. I have to say, though, it seemed like most of what he had to say was pretty two-dimensional. Anyway, what do you bring to our denominational conversation? Maybe you don't have any previous history with a broader Mennonite church or our denomination outside of Milwaukee Mennonite. Or maybe you have different experiences with the Mennonite church. That's, either way, that's great. What insights and perspectives might you bring to our upcoming meetings? What, and what do we have to say to our broader church family? And what do we have to learn from our broader church family? As Rachel ex- has experienced the past several years, this is a rich resource. And I probably will get more into that next time. Oh, so we're done now. Yeah. I think so. Why'd you need me up here anyway? I just made the whole thing longer. <laughs> I guess I guess I needed to be reminded that what I'm talking about is more than just the important, serious things that I'm naming. I, I need to be reminded that there's a fuller picture, and that's me. Well, it's it's that there's laughter and joy and frivolity and activity and and having fun and sharing ourselves and our experiences in those ways is, is really important for us to understand each other and, not to mention, help sustain us in the hard work. Okay, whatever floats your boat. Thanks, Tuttle. Yeah, it was nothing. Better than sitting around in Greg's basement anyway. So you're going to share more about this next time? Yeah, hopefully briefer. Uh, and we'll focus more on... Uh, Specifically, our church family. Who thought this was a good idea anyway? What do you mean? The two of us up here shared like this. I did. And so you just signed up and did this, and nobody was like, Hey, Peter, maybe not. No, that's just how it works. Anybody can sign up. Wow. Well, if that isn't good incentive for others to sign up, I don't know what is. Okay, we're done.